Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am a comedian based in Chicago. I survived a coma eight years ago, was in it for a month, almost taken off life support, and when I woke up, my life had not completely changed. I had to change it, and I had a lot of questions, and so I asked those questions of my guests on this show. My guest this week is John Madison. John is an actor, a comedian, a member of the Star Kid Nation, which if you don't know, I I can't take time in this intro explaining. I did do a Star Kid show. I know obviously Star Kid fans are going to listen to this and I did do a Star Kid show. I was in The Moms. Man, I don't know how many years ago or lifetimes. But If you want to hear John talk more about that fandom and us talk more about his origins in performance, you can do that by becoming an afterhead on the Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Every week you will get my full conversation with guests. You'll also get the after shows when I release them for five bucks a month, the cost of a fancy coffee. And for 15 bucks a month, you become a Pigeon-level subscriber, and those people get shout-outs on the show like this. Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Debo, Shuba Singh, and John Lee. Thank you to you all for supporting at that level. I am an independent artist. So what that means is there are very concrete ways you can help boost the visibility of the show and really become a part of the production and promotion of the show. So those ways include the thing you always hear told to you, reviewing and subscribing in your apps. Those things really help. So you can do that. As I always say, you can do it on the toilet. You can also tell a friend. You can join the Patreon you can follow the links in the show notes. You can, if you don't follow John, you can follow John. You can follow me. You can subscribe to my newsletter. So that is the business. Now, let me talk about this episode briefly. This is a is a different kind of episode. Normally, I ask a set handful of questions of my guests, separate them into segments, and put music in between them. And then kind of choose which ones go in the main episode, which ones go on the Patreon, and that's that. Try to shape a little bit of a a narrative or a satisfying emotional journey out of that conversation. With John, he asked to come on the show, and I was very I was very happy to do that. But he came on with I, I I think it's fair to say, and I don't I, I don't say this with any judgment, but he came on with an agenda. He had a question that he was searching for a concrete answer to, which is something I relate to very much. It's part of why I do the show, and he wanted to see what I thought about it. So we start with one of my standard questions, but then this this 
this question of John's, this, this situation that he presents, it encompasses a lot of my normal questions. And I, I love making forms, but I love breaking them even more. So I was very available for this to just become a different kind of conversation on the show. If you listened to last week's two episodes, that one with Emmy O'Brien, she just refused to relive one memory in the most delightful way in my mind. So I was down for that. And I was down for what John helped make this conversation. So that's how I want to preface it. And now you can enjoy that conversation. Here's John Madison and me. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... Let's start. And, and, and give me, let me know if we are fully... Um, let me know if we, if there's, if we're glazing, glazing over something. No, no. I, let me know if you're a great by the end a of great this. Uh, uh, interviewer. So I don't, nothing will be, I don't feel glazed over so far. Well, we're, we're not even into the fucking. I'll wait till name. you turn on. Then it'll. Yeah, exactly. No, Jimmy uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but, um, you know, if there is something you've got loaded in the chamber, I definitely want to know. I do have one thing loaded is. in the chamber that I okay. that very extremely personal to me that I would only share with, I think you because you've had and, and a couple of friends and okay and my well partner. well if I if I don't hit that I definitely want to know okay no problem what that is but now now I'm like now I feel like there's a, a in a good way I'm in like a minefield but there's just one mine and I'm like trying to step on it oh. to find where it is <laughs> yeah sure but. Your hell, personal hell, paint it. What is a person is paint your hell, a personal hell designed to torture you, John Matson specifically. <sighs> is it Matson or Madison? It's Madison. Thanks for asking. Oh, okay. It's Scottish. Yeah. I think. Okay. So they're all yeah. Ma- Madison. Madison. I don't know. Rare, rare that white names are hard to pronounce. Yeah. Oh, you thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Do I have to believe in hell to know this answer or to, to come up? No, 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 no. Just, just what, if there were, there were a hell, what would I imagine it would be like for me? What would it be? What would, what would be? Oh, I know. What would have to be in it for, for it to be, to to torture you? Okay. Yeah. It's easy. Okay. Great question. Um, I think if it was my personal hell, it would probably be a mixture between like a vast emptiness and darkness, but with a lot of pressure, like 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 almost like, like physical pressure or a, emotional. A, a fit, well, both, but something that you could really feel. And then it would be like reliving the moments and the pain of hurting other people that you cared about, and like just reliving that pain and guilt that you might have caused people over and over and over i think that would be my hell how serious are we talking here are we talking like and and be as specific as you are comfortable being uh definitely don't have the training to reprocess you traumatizing yourself over again but is it is it are we talking about like 
Oh, I forgot that person's name. No, or, no, oh, I'm talking about like, like I'm that's talking when about I like cheated on that. Like, what level of of hurting someone? Thankfully, I've never cheated at? on anyone, but I do. You know, I have moments where I've like, especially when I was in my 20s, where people were who thankfully I've reconciled with those people, but like I still remember the pain of like the guilt of like hurting someone or like saying something in the moment that like I, I had des- like that was designed to hurt them. Like yeah. saying things that like I thought, Oh my God. Cause I, I've never, I could never take this back. Um, this is how I feel now. Like I've, uh, without saying names, I've said things yeah. to someone who I used to date. Like I said, like, I don't want to have kids with you because I don't, because of like your, Ooh, your history. Because of your, because of right. You. Um, or like, like that's something that I lived with a long time. Thankfully I reconciled with that person. Um, and she also never even thought about it. It's really funny how guilt works, how yeah. it really is. Um, the pain that you've caused others stays with you and they don't, they don't carry it really. Um, but I've, I think I have this immense fear of disappointing others or like, like um, causing others pain. And I think whatever that feeling is multiplied by a thousand or more um would be like a hell having to sort of just live in that guilt and pain or even if it was fictional or non-fictional to see the consequences of hurting others or hurting those people that you used to care about um multiplied and and like and seeing how it impacted their life or ruined their life i think while you're in a vast emptiness with a lot of physical pressure yeah, with a lot of physical like space. And, like that sounds like space, man. Yeah, yeah. There's a Shakespearean line about death. Do you know uh, Merchant of Venice at all? No, I did, is Merchant of Venice. The oh, I'm sorry. Of flesh one. Oh no, no, no. I wrong one. Uh, forgive me, Shakespeare teachers. It was <laughs> Measure for Measure. No, I don't know Measure for Measure. Claudio talks about death, and there's a really, really great monologue. He talks about like he's pleading to his sister to basically she's a nun. And if she sleeps with this guy, he will uh, live. He won't die. And uh, he has like a daughter that he wants to see and he doesn't want to die. And he's like, imagine what could happen after death. We could be uh, in eternal fire. We could be in a cage of ice that we never get out of. Or what is scarier than anything is the thought of just being nothing. And then like, who knows what that would actually feel like. So that's kind of what the monologue is about, but what's um, the, so what are the lines specifically? You um, can, you can nerd out and go Shakespeare. Well, I don't, I'm I'm afraid of getting it wrong, but I think it's like, that's okay. uh, I, but to die and go, we know not where to lie in cold obstruction and to rot this sensitive, warm motion to become a kneaded clod or to reside in something of thick ribbed ice to be, to be imprisoned in the viewless winds and blown with restless violence round about this pendant world or to be worse than worse than those, uh, something 
uh, incorporeal thought, imagine howling, it is too horrible. Um, the worst, loathed, most loathed, unworthy life is a paradise to what we fear of death or something like that. Yeah, that's tight. That's good. That's, <laughs> and that's, good. I don't, that's good stuff. I don't know the whole thing, but that's what I can remember from the top of my head. But yeah, it was. And you read that and you, and do you, re- it sounds like that registered with you as a moment where you were like, oh, well, the fear this is really, this is my, the fear. fear of not existing doesn't scare me because really? well, we won't be able to feel it. Do you remember yeah, anything but, before bed? Do you remember anything before this you doesn't, were born? This doesn't, this doesn't hold water with me though, because it's, it, it fucks me up now. It's the fear of not knowing it. Yeah, of course. If we really can't feel it, then sure, that argument holds weight. But it's so terrifying now to imagine not having consciousness that I don't take any comfort from my lack of consciousness not being – not experiencing Well, the way way I see it is it's like – it's – I think so many times in life, we as humans uh, can consider things in binaries, like like everything is a yes or a no. If it's not this, then it's nothing else. As instead of saying like, oh, as humans, there are colors that we don't even see, like mantis shrimp okay. see like 16, I don't know what they're called, but 16 cones of color and we see seven. Um, okay. or maybe they see 18, but like, there are so many things we can't comprehend or define in language. Although I do think language is a part of nature because we made it up, but there are so many things we can't define. We don't know what consciousness is in general, like dirt and plants could be consciousness conscious. So as we go mm-hmm. into consciousness, like who's to say how it changes or how we will feel things. You know, like I think uh, for sure, but you still said you're not afraid of no consciousness. Uh, I'm not afraid of, I guess I should say, I'm not afraid of thought changing to a different type of uh, self. I'm not afraid of losing self awareness. Okay. Okay. But I feel like there was a but. Uh, well, also, I think, I hopefully, the. I think I have a different connection to spirituality because of when I was a kid, I had all these things, these feelings and thoughts. Yeah. Um, if, I don't know if this is a hard segue into that, but I feel like it's good evidence and that's why I've never really been scared of it. Um, and I don't know if it is fictional or if it is like uh something I composed when I was a kid in my mind, but it felt real at the time. And so I remember the feeling. Um, can I just talk about that? Is that For a- sure. So yeah. I wanted yeah. to be a priest when I was a kid. I was extremely yeah. spiritual. I used to meditate constantly. Like I used to pray every night before bed. I used to do rosaries. Like when a, if a family member was sick, I would do rosaries all the time. And I wow. knew I knew in my head that like Catholicism was not the end all be all. And I still had a lot of problems with Catholicism as I got, as I became a 10, 11, 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Where'd you grow up? What's the, I grew where, up, well, geographic? I was a military brat. So I okay. was born in 
North Carolina, but then I moved around all over the place to Alaska, Pennsylvania. But then my dad retired in Kansas, and that's where I grew up from like 10 years okay. old, 10 years old onward. Interesting. You give me like a little bit of East Coast vibes. So I'm I think it's because I sound that. like my dad. I think people have always mm. said I sound like my dad and he's from Long Island. So um and uh my my dad was from Long Island and my mom's from the South. My mom used to say we were the best of the North and the South. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but this is interesting because Kansas, that's not a like Catholic and same with Alaska, I would imagine. You don't think is Kansas not, is these a aren't Catholic state? A Catholic haven. <gasps> well, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma for a lot of it. And it and it was very, it was pr- Christian, uh-huh. but it didn't feel like Catholicism was the dominant strain. Am I, I, I think wrong it was, in transferring that to Kansas? You know, I think it was just because it was the, it was the military base. So I think okay. on the military bases that we would be transferred along to, there was always like, a Catholic church. There was like some, and maybe that's mm, why okay. my mom wanted to continue in it. Um, because I mean, she's always been very spiritual, but she's never been like a Bible beater. If that makes sense. Mm, sure. Um, she was a poet or is a poet. I shouldn't say was, is a poet. Um, and, uh, that's just for details but uh yeah there was always a there's always a catholic church in every in every state so i think that's why so in leavenworth where i grew up i would say i grew up there there was like at least two catholic churches and like the catholic priests would be they would be officers in the military so they would serve and then they would come back chaplains chaplains exactly yeah okay um but so you wanted to be a priest, you said, from 5 to 13. Right? I, I did. I think I, ha- I had this memory of, of seeing a priest and like I, – I, 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 well, I, I remember at one point I did want to be a magician. And I think okay. at some point – I think it was tied to that in some way because I remember seeing like – it wasn't just the water into wine thing. But I think it was like the, the command that they had over – a large mm-hmm. crowd and the sure. ability we're to, getting the seeds of performer right, right, right. vibes here and like yeah. people they, they they really destined to they, they wanted to like inspire people and it seemed like they were only bringing good things to people at least the priests the priests i came in contact with i know i was sure i was i didn't have any horrible trauma tied to relationships with priests which is so wild that like it sounds like you got very lucky to not have I think the I did. massive downsides of growing up Catholic. Yeah, I think even, I think it yeah. I think so. But I also think it was probably when I stopped wanting to be a priest. Like I got when I was twelve and thirteen and I took a hard right turn away from it, I I was like getting bullied a lot like in in this like catholic school and i remember mm. begging my mom like please don't send me back please and like i got sent to like a a public school on on the fort and got contacts and a new wardrobe and okay, okay. drama uh and then, <laughs> and then uh so i i i think and that got you beat up less oh yeah 
Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. Because you, you just weren't in the same physical vicinity as your bullies, or drama was weirdly valued? For some reason, I, 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 well, I did get in a fight my first year away from Catholic school, <laughs> but okay. I, I, I guess, I, I th- for some reason, those Catholic kids hated the fact that I wanted to be a priest. They were like, hey, priest boy, and they would like. Yeah, interesting. They, they, didn't, they didn't like it. Anyway. Because they felt like intim- – they felt – did they feel preemptively judged by you or you just truly have no idea why they – I think uh, it was a combination of like um, – I think a lot of the kids who who went to the Catholic school were like – there was a large majority of those kids who were not the son or like they were not the kid of a like – military officer so they didn't come from as much privilege so a lot of them were probably Mm. dealing with a lot of like poverty like leavenworth had some really interesting um dynamics because there was the fort where a lot of office they had an officer training school there and a lot of officers would come there and train there and teach there they had a college there then they had the city of leavenworth which had a lot of like struggling industries and factories and then it was it was also near kansas city kansas and kansas city missouri was like 30 minutes outside of that so a lot of money was being funneled in that direction and out of Mm -hmm. this small town leavenworth is also the first city in kansas so it's like a lot of history tied to it but it is if i ever had the money to produce a film i would want to produce it in, in leavenworth because it's it's sort of haunting and weird and beautiful at the same time. So I think it was probably a mixture of poverty, jealousy, anger. And um, I was like a s- smart kid who knew what he wanted. I was de- I knew without a doubt that I wanted to be a priest. I was, yeah. I had pictures of Jesus on my wall at home. I was, <laughs> I was a little, uh, uh, a little priesty nerd, but I. Okay. So you go from the Catholic school to the public school. Yeah. But is that a clean overlap with stopping this desire of wanting to be a priest or is there, or is it a messier? I think it was a little messier. I don't remember exactly when the turn happened, but I was, I remember telling, I was like, I don't want to be a priest anymore. I want to find something else, find something else. And why, uh, I, I think I found a lot of hypocrisy in the church. Like I okay. saw all of these adults who worked in the church being really mean to each other and spreading rumors and being um, uh, shitty. And so I was like, there's something, I don't see God here. And so I um, I was like, I'm going to go, uh, I, I don't want to go down the route of of joining the seminary and dedicating my life to the priesthood because it feels like that's I, I don't think I don't think God is always there. Sometimes he's there or they they or it or the universe, whatever, whatever you want to call God, um, is exists there and sometimes it's elsewhere and and I feel like there's so much hypocrisy and there I also was as like a thirteen year old discovering what the like having some conflicts of with like what the church taught when it comes to like being who you want to be and like loving who you want to love and 
a lot of other things. And I was like, I don't agree. But it sounds like you already had a pretty flexible faith to start with. You weren't super, you you weren't, I had no problem saying Catholic or nothing else. Yeah. But I think that came around that came around the time I was like 10, 11, 12. I was like, no, no, no. I, this isn't like the one answer to Mm -hmm. the, a spiritual life. Um, I was also reading some books at that time by like Thomas Merton and Paula Coelho, really heavy stuff for a, <laughs> yeah. for a t- 11 or 12 year old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember, I think I read the alchemist. <laughs> You're like reading like, I think I read fucking... the alchemist when I was 10, I think. The, wh- which Merton? Cause I, I, I've never uh, finished a Merton I think, book, uh, but I've started. Um, Seeds of Contemplation was my favorite. I have that one okay. still dog marked. Dog okay. Year. Uh the Seven Story Mountain as well. Yeah, that's the one that I've started and haven't. It's it, I I struggle with two detailed descriptions of childhood mm. in memoirs. Yeah. Cuz I, I love a memoir, but I'm like get me to when you're I want detailed descriptions of the creative process. You know what? Book- I don't need place names. Of little British yeah. and French villages. 100%. You know? you know what book you would love is The Way of the Dreamcatcher? Have you ever heard okay. of it? Okay. No. It's about this guy. I forgot his name, but he. it's about his interviews with this um, spiritual mystic called Robert Lax. And Robert okay. Lax was a, a poet and a playwright. And he was su- really, really close friends with Thomas Merton and okay. with... Uh, uh, Jack Kerouac and with other people. Sure. And he um, lived off of an island in Greece and this, he just lived there within this little shack and, uh, and this guy like just asked him about his creative process and his relationship with the spirit, I guess. And, and it's just okay. a really, really um, beautiful book a really really beautiful book it's just interviews and they hang out together and they talk and it's really sweet sounds great the way of the dream so Catch. i'm trying to get you. though that Sorry. would be amazing yeah i yeah, will I have no. a copy i'll send it to you i'll mail it to you tomorrow or monday amazing. yeah well okay cool so i'm trying to get to to the point where because I know you wanted to talk about this stuff. Oh yeah, coming I mean, into the show, which is which is interesting. Well, I wanted to check my out with what you th- think happened to a thirteen-year-old kid. What, oh, like what you think happened to like the mind of a thirteen-year-old kid? And so I was like, okay, well, because I've had, I have a friend, I have another friend. His name is Matt Crooks. He's an extremely talented actor and improviser, but he works in New York, and he's a skeptic. And I asked him his opinion, and I actually thought it was really interesting. And uh, so, yeah. Anyway. So what are you, what are you? I'll just say, oh, well, this is, this is, okay. So when I was uh, 13, I was like, I'm done with the priesthood and I'm done yeah. with all of this. And I was in a church. This was a small church. You've ever, you've been to church. What, what were you, what, what denomination? I forgot. I grew, I grew up like even various flavors of evangelical. And then Got it. the most recent church that I, would say I have like a tangential connection to is a, is an Episcopalian church. So I, I like the, I like a little bit of the pomp without, without the, there's a lot more flexibility in, in that kind of stuff. I but, haven't found a church in Los Angeles 
that I'd like to go to, but I, after this conversation, I might start looking. Um, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so here's my, yeah, tell so me. I was 13. So, uh, so I, was, I asked, cause like you've been in churches with like choirs, church choirs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, there was this church choir and it was bad. Um, it was like a okay. three or four person choir and they were like all over the age of 60 or 70 <laughs> and they were like singing out of tune. No more than, <laughs> no more than four people. Um, and I remember listening to this choir and thinking that thinking it was bad. And then I remember suddenly as I was in church, this is the way my 13 year old mind, uh, tried to, um, grasp it. But suddenly it was like, instead of what I was hearing, it was like a switch had flipped and I was hearing like. A, a multitude of voices singing something else and it lasted for about 30 seconds in different harmonies and i remember thinking it was just one of the most beautiful things i'd ever heard and like like crying and then i was a little bit and then uh, and then as it as it happened i like turned to my mom and my sister and i was or my mom because she was sitting with me and i was like oh my god mom mom do, do you hear that and she was like Shh, we're in church and, um, <laughs> and then, so I, so it's, it stopped and then, um, you know, the day went on and then as we were leaving church, I remember telling my mom about it and I was like, oh, my mom, I, I heard angels. And, um, and then from, from what I've been told, apparently, cause I used to say my prayers every night before bed that night, I was like saying my prayers, like weeping, thanking God for like letting me hear angels yeah. And when I was in, and for a long time, as I got older and hit puberty and read more books and did theater, I was like, okay, what was that moment? What was it? I don't know. Um, you know, like, do I th- really think there are angels or like one God or like that kind of, I don't, I don't think so. I think okay. it was maybe for a while I thought maybe it was just like a, it didn't, for a while I was obsessed with like, oh, what did it mean? What does that mean? Right, right. It right. happens to like it happens in Shakespeare to like characters. Characters will suddenly hear music. I remember, and maybe that's one of the reasons I loved Shakespeare. So I was like, okay, so some of these characters this happens to because per- at the end of Pericles, um, Pericles is uh, he sees his daughter for the first time uh, a- a- as an adult, and the first thing he mentions is like Pericles is like music. Do you hear? And everyone's like, no. Um, and so. I tried to define like what it means, but I guess I think, I don't know if it means anything. I think maybe it was just sort of a, a peek into the universe. And then my friend, Matt, again, really one of the most smartest, one of the smartest guys I've ever known. He thought maybe it was like my creative mind waking up. Um, but I, I don't remember, like I knew it was real at the time, whatever I heard was in my head. Um, and it didn't happen again after that as vividly as it did. Um, but I know that as a 13 year old priest boy, I was meditating a lot. So maybe that was part of it, but anyway, that's so, what happened. I don't know. Okay. So you came to the computer and the zoom room today in part to get to the bottom of this. Well, I want to hear your opinion. Cause you, you, you have probably one of the, closest connections to the afterlife that many people have. 
from being in the coma or from doing the for, show? Well, both. And you've meditated you mean, on it. And you mean the coma? Though. No, I, I no, I, I wouldn't oh, really? do this if you had just gotten out of a coma. I'm like, oh my god, Dave, what do you think about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. I think it's because you've, in a way, studied it now for months. Study or thought, at least thought on That's like so what funny. life is like. Um, but but just to air just to my be heart clear, open to you. Yeah. So this was this was the the thing that you wanted to make sure to talk about. Yeah. This case. is the only thing I had loaded in the canon, except for just wanting to be okay. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I I'm just, I'm just curious. Cause I've never, I've never, you know, I think abstractly about the show mm-hmm. and, and in terms of its, its shape in terms of the story that yeah. an episode tells, you know, um, it in felt, ways that it felt appropriate. I don't know. If yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Totally. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm very open to this. It's just never happened before. Hey, that someone has come on with you got a a such first. an existential problem to solve. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'll just say now. I have no real answer i yeah i'm willing to i'm willing to throw shit at the wall but well, i don't have i i know anything that, that will be satisfying i don't I, think i know who i was as a kid i know i wasn't just to get this out of the way like i knew it was real for me at the time i wasn't yeah. a bullshitter like i wasn't sure. a liar if I, yeah. I remember when I was, and I never did anything for attention, despite me wanting to later go into theater, but I remember when I was going to do something <laughs> wrong, like I, again, maybe because I, I was afraid of hell as a kid, but I remember, uh, even though I don't necessarily believe in hell now, but I remember like, if I did something wrong, I would like prostrate myself on the floor. Like I was one sure, of, I was sure, one of those sure, kids sure. who was like, sure. no, no. I was like, all right, get up, get up, get up. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so no, I wouldn't I even go good. to that place of thinking that you're but but you have it you still have a sense memory of this moment. I don't remember the music, but I remember the feeling sure. I had and it was just sort of a feeling yeah. of sort of wonder and euphoria, I guess. It's like suddenly something is in your head that's more beautiful than anything you're looking at or 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 have heard. Um, and it's so you it's so clearly happened for you because the evidence is that it started from the worst choir anyone could imagine i that's i mean that's part of the memory i think yeah 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 and so and i remember the feeling like i'm getting nervous now even talking about it <laughs> why why i don't know because it's so personal yeah yeah well, I definitely don't want to step on that. No, it's fine. Or or lose that. But I'm also curious that it happened that this was not a moment of pure affirmation of faith. Right. Like there's a there's a story if this happens in most stories, the ending the the the, the other side of it is you're more committed to the idea of being a priest than ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that wasn't, it was before you, I mean, is it safe to say lost your faith? Uh, 
I mean, yeah, and I definitely had a different sense of faith than like yeah I had as like a kid. I think it was like put it was it was the beginning of my quote unquote rebellious phase, which in for for thirteen year old <laughs> yeah. John Madison, all that meant was getting contacts and not wearing a uniform, but. <laughs> Sure, uh, sure. But I think... Um, but it didn't solidify the priesthood in your mind. No. My theory... I, I have a new theory, which is... My theory is that, like, if it was from any place, if this was in a story, if we're looking at this in, like, a story structure way, I thought maybe it's, like, almost like a goodbye. Like, because I had... Because right after that happened, mm. I I left. So, like, you know, it's like, okay... You won't have the same kind of faith you used to have. But just so you know, this is still here. If you ever decide to dedicate yourself to the play, or if you ever have any doubt that there is something, again, not saying not saying what that thing is, but if there is something outside of our consciousness that that something could exist, that something does exist outside of just our day-to-day life at least that feeling was so powerful for yeah. me at the time so it could have been one option is because you had already been questioning your faith and getting kind of disenfranchised with the things you were seeing at church at this point yeah right? i was tired of the hypocrisy yeah. i was seeing people fighting right. biting at each other's feet and like they just yeah. hated it and and the beliefs that they said like about I'm not sure that's a like, phrase, but I do like biting at each other's feet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I made <laughs> Just it up. Biting at each other's feet. But okay, so here's here's one theory. Yeah, I'm going to put forth. Okay, is this is a moment, not necessarily even of goodbye, but a moment where a specific religion is not being affirmed, but whatever the the capital s something is is actually affirming itself so strongly to you that it will use the religion or one of the tropes of the religion that that is crumbling for yeah. you catholicism is crumbling for you yeah. but nonetheless the something uses this moment in a catholic service to pop through and despite all your doubts and all your disenfranchisement yeah. say, hey, don't worry. This is – there is something yeah. that's real. And so yeah. you can have the freedom almost affirming you to walk away from the limits of the specific childhood faith yeah. and go, well – this is not a moment of affirming Catholicism. This is a moment of affirming that there's something bigger than Catholicism yeah. that you have the freedom to explore by leaving Catholicism. Yeah. So that's, that's one theory. How does that sit with you? I mean, it sits. Yeah. I mean, I think it sits pretty well to sort of what I was. I, I don't know why I came up with the reason. I think I was thinking about it again recently because like I said, I got this call from my friend out of the blue after the pandemic, I think we all were reconnecting with people that we haven't connected to in a long time. And which pandemic is not over. I know. Confirm that. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to, I will, I will <laughs> affirm my stance on it. It is not over despite yes. yeah, how yeah, yeah. people in 
California. After you started re-entering the world, you're saying. Yes, that's what I'm okay. that's what I mean. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so your friend, this is the smart friend who said it might just be your Yeah, my smart my smart friend who lives in New York. He I was like okay. he he called me and he was just like struggling with life and was like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know how much your friendship means to me. Like the world is in a really dark place and um I love you and I love the I know we haven't seen each other in ten years, but um, your friendship means a lot to me. And so, which was nice to him because I missed his wedding and I wish I had made it to it. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but I, um, yeah, I guess I, I think your theory sort of rings true because I think one of the reasons I left that world as a kid is because I was like, it, it, there's, it was, there's something false about this. And then what did, it's almost like whatever was real about faith cut through the, the muck and the bullshit and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and showed itself or showed itself to me in, in that music or whatever kind of music I heard. I don't know if it was necessarily 17,000 angels being like, okay, we need to call John, let him know, but like, all right, let's rehearse and then do it. I think it was just some sort of universal music. I always also, again, not to bring it back to Shakespeare again, but I always loved the term. No, please. I always loved the term music of the spheres, like, um, which I think is, again, I wasn't prepared, but I think it's just about like the music that exists, um, what is that? Where's that phrase come from? It comes from like the music that that exists, university and like in in the the world and in the in, and in space. Um, but sure, I think about that sort too. of a sort of a cosmic harmony, an order to things. Yeah, Shakespeare okay. talks about music a lot. If music be the yeah. of love, um, yeah. So let me go round two here on on interpreting this moment. Okay. Yeah. Um, Since you're bringing up music. Sure. I want to make it more earthly and ask. And by the way, I think this is this show. Maybe normally I would ask you, what do you hope happens when you die? Maybe we'll get to that. Uh, but I would ask you to relive one memory. We've got a memory here. I'd ask you, what's your coma? A moment of transformation. This sounds I'm like such it. a good so guest. This is, I'm such a good this guest. Is, this is all of it in one. Yeah. Right and I'm curious <laughs> about this. But okay. So music. Sure. Y- y- you're, you do stuff with Star Kid, this group that's known for musical theater. You're one man. Wait, is it a one man show? The guy who doesn't like musicals? Is uh, that, is no, that it is show? absolutely not a one man show. It's a. Okay. Um, okay. I play the lead in the show, but I, I, I think the reason the show works is because everyone else in the show is so talented. All I have to do is act scared and pretend not to be thrilled whenever they're singing uh, and dancing around me. But they are because um, you do actually like musicals i do i do like musicals yeah and so there there's a way in which is this music asserting itself in your life is that what this moment might be maybe i mean i definitely used to when i was like a like a seven eight nine year old i used to play piano all the time like i used to 
I used to play my music by ear, but I, I just stopped because of life and school and other interests. I've always wanted to go back and pick it up, but um, it also could be that as well. Okay. It sounds like that's not yielding as much dense well, fruit here. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I guess if like, um, if, if music had a capital M, I wouldn't know if, if it itself was trying to like reassert itself back into my life, but sure. I, I definitely eventually found it anyway through doing, I did a ton of musicals in high school. Um, right. like we had, I was lucky, even though I lived in a small town, we had a extremely active theater company we or th- theater department i think we did like i went to leavenworth high school and we did like um eight shows a year i think or nine Whoa. shows a year yeah damn that's a lot full musicals no 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 we only did oh, okay. one musical in the spring but we okay. did like nine different sort of plays or groups of plays every year okay so okay round three then okay yeah 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 you're asking what this moment means. And I can very much relate to searching for meaning, searching for meaning and searching for meaning in big moments, not just the coma, but in, you know, any other number of moments. And, um, which is, which is ultimately, what does it mean is not actually a what question. It's more of a why question. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what is happening? Why, why is this happening? Yeah. And I, I almost never get satisfying answers to yeah. why yeah. questions, what and how questions way more, you know, what's happening. I heard a choir that sounded like angels in the midst of this. Yeah. How is, is often involves like choice. Mm-hmm. How do I choose to let that affect my life? Um, so I guess actually first, before I yeah. move on in this line of questioning, how did you choose, d- did it concretely change how you moved through the world after this moment? Well, I think I I remember, you know, that night again, I remember being really affected by it and thanking God for that moment. But mm-hmm. I but it but i think it was after that moment that i was like i can't go to this school anymore i can't be a part of this i certainly can't tell this to anyone except for my mom mm-hmm. um and until i learned how to do theater and eventually i did like a one man show in college about it uh really well yeah i didn't i didn't put it up anywhere i just well i i, I did I did it like twice for like a audience of 15 because I was trying to explore that moment. And also I wasn't get I wasn't getting cast that year. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go write a show. Um, what was it called? It was called Mr. Madison's confession. Okay. Okay. I was trying to, but I think uh, my line of inquiry back then was, Oh, it had something, it had something to do with me wanting to be a priest and, what, why did I want to be a priest? And what was that like as a kid? And I think it had less to do with that and more of my exploration of faith. And, um, and I, I think what faith necessarily meant faith and meditation 
and I say meditation is a part separate. I say meditation instead of prayer because I think, um, uh, well, I don't know if I weigh them the same, but I think they are oftentimes the similar and the same. So, uh, so how okay. I don't think I behaved. How I sorry. How I behaved. No, 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 no. You answered some things. You made this show. However, yeah. much later it was. Ten years later. And no. Yeah. Seven years later. But you were still so actively thinking about it. That is wild to me. Yeah. And I, I, I never let I go guess of it. What I'm also wondering is, which is another reason why I know it's authentic, because I never. Yeah. It sure. Never, Totally. Never went away. I mean, I never like like so many memories of our childhood. You're like, oh, okay. Uh-huh, I played yeah. Alundra when I rented it from Blockbuster in 2001 or sure, I don't know. But sure. like, <laughs> you know, the meaningful moments stick with you is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And okay. So here's another specific question. How, what are the concrete ways that you quote explored faith after this? So before you're going to church, you're praying, you're meditating, you're studying the Bible, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, after, what are the other ways? Is it just like a, and then every once in a while, I'll think about this moment. Or on um, certain nights, I'll look up at the stars and ponder. Or are you like, well, I went to this location and studied this with this person. Or I read this book and did, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I, I think... Um... Uh, it was, I don't know in what order of events this necessarily was, but I remember when I was a kid, like I, I continued to read a lot of books, like books by like Paulo Coelho. Like I really liked the book, the The pilgrimage, which was about, um, Paulo, it was about the main character's journey down the road to Santiago, which I always wanted to do, which is just this long road in Spain at all of these different locations. Yeah. um, um, Yeah. I'm familiar with this. And he talks about going on the road and talks about like uh, how he learns how to meditate better. And whenever he is praying, if his mind strayed, he would like drive his nail into his thumb in order to like keep focusing on, on meditation and, um, and then, you know, started writing a lot more. Also my mom's poetry, I think had a, a huge impact on me. My mom really is an affluent poet. She, for many, many, many years and still does wrote like a poem every day or every week. She's now been published. She got invited to the phenomenology conference, um, at Harvard when I was in college i think and i went with her one a couple of times to that and edited a couple of her papers but she talks a lot she talked a lot later uh about like spirituality and how um how the created how how the universe fuels the creative spirit and where creativity comes from Mm -hmm. um so I, I think in some ways it, you know, it, it impacted my relationship with my mom and also her relationship with her poetry. But I, I did continue to study it just off and on and a little bit in, in high school and college. But I think mostly 
going from 13, having that experience and transferring schools and having different experience, I think the, my immediate concern was puberty and, and, um, going to a yeah. school and in some ways running from really horrible kids and reinventing myself. And then I would just routinely come back to it with like, with books or with media or, or other things. Sure. Okay. That, that makes sense. I feel like I just went on a really long rant. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. But I, what I'm wondering now then is what, what I'm getting to this line of questioning is getting to the possibility that it, that you can choose for it to mean whatever you want it to mean. Yeah. And the struggle yeah. I have with that, and because that's a, you know, I didn't invent that idea. That's very common, you know, but like the, this, the problem I have with that mm. way of doing a way of making meaning sometimes is that I will sometimes feel like, well, if I'm just choosing whatever I want it to mean, then how does what I'm actually looking for is is verifiable truth, yeah, not just my own. And and it sounds like maybe you have the same kind of struggle. Yeah, I think so because the meaning has changed a little, like a lot from like when it originally happened to college to when I wrote that short thirty minute show mm-hmm. to now as an adult. It feels like almost every 10 years, it's going to have a different meaning. So yeah, that does make me want, I do feel like I struggle with that because like, okay, what is it? What was the actual verifiable truth? And I think the only verifiable truth is how I felt in that moment, what I know that I was hearing and how it made me feel in that moment. That never changed. Um, so, Which it made you feel moved. It made me feel faith. Like it made me feel... It, okay. it sort of put a layer of cement over what amount of faith I had in that moment. So whatever actually mm. happened in the metaphysical, whatever you want to call it, the what I know happened is I felt a certain feeling and I heard whatever I heard and I thought it was a certain thing. So that part is true. My feelings were sure. true. Yeah. Everything else, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's as simple as I, I can't, I can't imagine what it is and maybe I have well, to so, be okay. Maybe that's why I'm comfortable with the unknown because I had to spend 10 years getting comfortable with whatever the fuck that meant. Well, are you comfortable with the unknown? Because yeah. if you're bringing this to me to bounce ideas off of, it sounds like you're well, I think expressing I can be, discomfort. No, I, I'm not. Oh, no. Well, first of all, you're you don't make any you haven't made me feel uncomfortable at any point. No, no, no. I don't mean in that way. I mean that like that no, what I, you're looking for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I guess my question in return is, can you be comfortable um, and be curious um, about the unknown? I think I'm still curious about what happened. To sure, me. sure. And I saw this okay. as a chance to be take a risk and be vulnerable mm-hmm. to you and your audience, but I, um, and to also explore with someone who I think is probably a, you know, 
as not a, not maybe not a subject matter expert, but you certainly have definitely a vested interest in the metaphysical. Yeah, I mean, a vested interest for sure. So, okay, um, so my question then is, okay. if you could choose yeah. for it to mean whatever you wanted it to mean, yes, and could you choose. could also guarantee for yourself that that was also the verifiable truth. Okay. What would you choose for it to mean? I guess if I could choose for it to mean one thing, great rephrasing of the question, I would, I I think I would choose for it to mean whatever, whatever is hap- whatever exists outside uh, our consciousness or outside our existence i got to hear it for a moment or or catch a glimpse of it and it would be sad for me if that wasn't true it's in in some way i think i think i would be like not necessarily angels but like some sort of or not not angels not aliens but some sort of like universal song that i was able to hear and if it was just some stressed kids fever dream that would make me sad (laughs) sure sure so okay so it sounds like a, a rephrasing of what you just said is that it you would like for it to be confirmation that there is indeed yes. something so, an beyond this world. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So that was my other question. How does, because saying there's a higher power, saying there is something does not imply You're an right. afterlife. You're right. So, You're so right. how do those connect for you? Um, well, when I'm, let me be very clear when I mean afterlife, I don't mean a second life, you know? Okay. Okay. I don't necessarily be like, okay, take two. Like I, um, sure, 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 I, sure. I, I, um, I guess I mean an afterlife, meaning that when we die, life, what we consider life for us, doesn't end. That we become a part of something, even if that something is groups of atoms that exist within the earth or the sea or or you know if you get burned the air (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but uh but that is already completely true right i know but i mean i I guess what i'm trying to say is that transfer of energy um has a is it has a deeper meaning than than we understand that that transfer of energy from i'm breathing and i'm living and i'm thinking to I'm just a pile of flesh or a pound of flesh again to quote Shakespeare. Sure, uh, sure. Sorry, I'm a nerd. Uh, would be to that that it has it that you know maybe maybe our conscious our our type of consciousness changes. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I would like for that whatever I heard as a kid to be confirmation that consciousness doesn't end after we die. Okay. That's so what's an example? Of an what's an example? So, so then, okay. So this translates or, or transitions yeah. very well into what would normally now be basically the second question 
of the of the episode. Okay. Uh, you've technically only answered one of the the, oh, the handful of set questions. Don't be sorry. I've already said that th- this is everything wrapped into one. But what do you hope happens when you die? Mm. Um, when I die or when we die, I hope that we that our concept of time changes and that we become aware of greater meaning outside of this planet and this earth uh, and greater meaning outside of like a human life. I hope that I don't imagine that we all go through a pearly gates or get thrown into hell, but I hope what happens is that atoms and cells have consciousness and we become a part of some kind of greater consciousness. Okay. So you're, you're not, cause you said you weren't worried about the lack of self awareness mm-hmm. about losing self awareness D- by that. Do you kind of mean you're fine with losing with, with losing ego is is that yeah. part of what you mean well okay. done yeah because it Thank still you. sounds like it still sounds like self-awareness it still sounds but the self is a much larger universal it, it's still a meta conscious it's still still a knowing of whatever the entity is to say oh to be melded into some larger consciousness but still share in that consciousness yeah. still sounds like being aware of the consciousness itself. Yes. Yes. But you, you don't mind not being John. Yeah. Anymore. I don't mind. I'm okay. totally fine. I'm I've all, I love group mind and improv. I'm, okay. I love, I love, okay. sh- <laughs> I love sharing a space. I love being part of things. So if it means <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, I would be great in a hive mind and I'd be great in a, uh yeah, I, I'm okay with sharing the space with some with 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 a million other thoughts and people. Sure, sure. So what you would like is for this moment to confirm that. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I would like. I would like it to mean that. Yeah, I I, I would like it to mean that our even th- that our consciousness consciousness doesn't necessarily end. You know, but maybe we lose, but it just changes and we lose our ego to, to bring your words back in. Okay. So what, what does it do for you, for me to say, well, that's, that's right. That's what happens. Sounds great. Well then, like I said, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not scared of dying. (laughs) I guess, I guess, I guess the only thing I, I guess, well, I am scared of like not, not living fully and trying to get everything I would like to achieve done but yeah um you know if it came down to it i i would probably be okay with letting go but does that how does that change your curiosity about this hearing angels singing moment um does that make it feel solidified in any way a a little yeah i think it does solidify it a little bit i've always um uh, you know, there's not a lot of cracks in it 
to begin with because the memory is so vivid. Yeah. But um, uh, I would, I'd like to be able to one day hear it again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but I also, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess it does to answer your question. I want to get more questions in, but to, yes, it does solidify <laughs> it. Thank you. So, so does that then, so, th- so that was sort of like a hypothetical thought experiment. If you could have the certainty of I- if whatever you chose could be certain. Yeah. But do you feel like that thought experiment has like transcended the hypothetical and, and that that somehow through us having this conversation feels like the truth now? Uh, it does feel like the truth. Um, okay. I would I will also say that I've never, I've only shared this one-on-one with people, yeah. people before. Yeah. So there's sort of another level of like putting this out into the <laughs> Like you're world. committing to it. Like you're like, well, this is the meaning I decided in front of people. So uh-huh, now yeah, yeah. like a weight loss journey, I yeah, have yeah, to yeah. Exactly. affirm to people that this still means this. Yes. And also it's like a little bit, not in like a weird way, but a little scary to be so vulnerable to potentially strangers. But like also, um, I, I, uh, it also is exciting because I've always known that it was like a special moment and, and I like sharing it. It was a special moment for me as a kid anyway. Well, thank you for sharing. It. <laughs> thank you for listening and asking such great questions. You've been ama- you do an amazing job of like <laughs> defining the metaphysical. Well, I just have a need, and you're very. I just, you know, no, please. What? What am I? Eloquent event. It's <laughs> a very good way of defining defining the metaphysical. That's all. Yeah. Well, I'm right just. Person. I'm just very interested in making things concrete from an artist mm. perspective sure. of if we're just talking about airy fairy shit without grounding it, then we're not really talking about anything. Yeah. But also from a desperate um, human de- psychologically and spiritually desperate human beings perspective of, you know, if, if I can, in some ways, it's mourning the loss of uh, the pearly gates that I had as a kid because that was so concrete, and you could, you know, you what's know what's so great of... about that, though. Well, what's great about it is not that pearly gates are great, or not that streets of gold are great, but that the, it sets an exact expectation. Mm. Streets of gold is you will walk on. It means you. It's just a. It gives you certainty. So that's what I'm craving. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that that's what if I could if I could be meta for a second, if comedy is the pursuit of an impossible task, someone might listen to the show and go, Where are all the jokes? And to them I would say, Well, the whole joke is that I am even searching for certainty. And in this episode, searching for certainty with you in in your own life. Yeah. And so I guess I I for I forget where I was. You were doing that, great. But no, I <laughs> But no, I, I, I yeah, we you know you were you were you were pointing Oh, but that's I, what that's just a that's 
what maybe made me helpful to you in this conversation yes. is that I feel the desire to to find that certainty. And even though it's impossible, maybe 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 we got a little bit of certainty in this life mm-hmm. around that moment for you, maybe. Yeah, I do. I think we did, or at least I feel like I, if it's just another affirming moment where I'm like, no, this is, I'm still on the right track. And, and, and that like the, what am I trying to say? The faith that I had as a kid was important. Mm. Yeah. That you haven't, lost your faith but that it's subsumed into a larger thing it's brewed itself sort of into like a different chemical that it's just like i'm not my my faith is not here to um influence a crowd at a church or to cheat people out of their money but uh it's here to just like keep me going and to like keep me moving forward down my path my creative path or anything else and and that I I mean I definitely feel that that grief around you know I'm I'm very inclined to look back at versions of myself and want to just throw them out and sure. be like Ugh, I'm not that person you know but but there's that's a tragedy because I, I i was that person or that that sliver of that moment was a part of me yeah and so it's definitely more more meaningful more comforting it, it is more holistic to say oh sure i don't still listen to christian ska music but listening to christian ska music made me passionate about the origins of ska, Did which you... made me passionate about the origins of punk rock, which made me passionate about <laughs> so many aspects of yeah. music that all the esoteric fucking ambient and jazz shit that I listen to now, not exclusively, but, but that like, I'm not just, I haven't just achieved some ultimate level of taste, certainly not compared to a lot of people, but that I, that what that was was the beginning of a passion for music Mm -hmm. and that I don't need to like disown uh, the fucking orange County supertones to, (laughs) to, to still be passionate about music. If that makes sense. Did you listen to Christian ska? Yeah. yeah, That, that would be a really specific example. If that weren't, I listened to, I listened to Christian rock uh-huh. And I I follow I memorized two full acts of a Christian comedian named Mark Lowry. I don't know if you ever that heard name of him. is familiar. I saw him wow. live when I was in Alaska, and he like I I memorized his whole his whole act <laughs> as wow. a kid, and I used to perform it for like my my family. Like Mark, Mark you Lowry. would lip sync, or you would no? I would the recite it. Regime. I would recite his full hour of comedy of Christian wow. comedy. And, and, and the first, and the first like live show I ever did, I was seven and I, I went to a Christian school, um, and I did a song by Carman. 
Carmen. Oh, you remember Carmen? Oh. You know I know him well. Carmen. Yeah. Uh, and I did. I Talk I, about theatrical. Oh, my music. God. Those music videos were epic. I did uh, Schoolhouse Rock, I think is what it's called. And I, okay. but I, but I was so nervous that I had the song playing, but I had sunglasses on and my eyes were closed. And I, <laughs> I was seven. And I, yeah, I did the song. It's such a corny song about Jesus. It's so corny. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to his it, music. Yeah, for plug for fucking Carman. Car yeah, <laughs> I didn't, was it Carman or Car? It's it's C A R M A N. I believe it was spelled with an A, but it was Carmen. Uh, but but yeah, like but Car pronounced Carmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, anyway, Carman for sure. What a so trip. I I I want to close by saying I think you've got the title of a musical on your hands here. So, some there's definitely, or, or a book, a, a best selling, uh, you, you know, who is the kid who saw priest the, boy? Is that cold? no, not, not priest boy. Oh, okay. I think it's something, it's something like the boy who talks to angels or yeah. the boy who hears from angels, you know, like that's, a, that's a very chicken soup for the solely title you've got on your hands here. Yeah. But I, um, I, I don't want to be on the same shelf as like the shack or something. Not that I don't, I don't think I've even read it, so I don't want to bash it, but I just, I, I, I guess when it comes to like my faith, unless it's like mixed in with comedy or something, <laughs> I feel like I would be cheating people out of their money or something. Cause like, and, and I, and I also hate like evangelical preachers who are asking yeah. tithing and money so sure 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 i don't know i always go back to that story of jesus at the temple where he like flipped mm -hmm. like all i love mm -hmm. that love that story where he's like get these, get these fucking money lenders out of my out of this out of this house right like right and i just well if that ever changes and you do decide you want to be a money lender type you've got <laughs> you've got that title in the in the quiver the boy who heard angels and then yeah. like you, after you buy the book chapter two psych the church is a sham you yeah, should... yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh heaven is for real that's the kid book i'm thinking oh about, that i think was an oprah's book this little boy and it turned out to be a total sham but it was like this little boy who was i think in a coma or something and was like i saw heaven oh yeah and... yeah yeah i remember yeah, that yeah yeah, yeah i'm yeah. never gonna do that I'll, 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 I would first do a, if, if this story, this story would be mixed in some other thing of, of gumbo of my life, but I don't know. I, sure. Everything else sure. I feel, I would feel like a fraud. Maybe the name of the book is I'm a fraud. <laughs> okay. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to leave feedback, you can review the show, subscribe, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You can also call the voicemail and leave a voicemail, 313-MISSED-URA, 313-647-8872, or you can email me, this is Dave Marr at gmail.com. Go to the show notes, click on all the links, and until next week, remember, you are a mist. Have faith, you're human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.
cœur. 